Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Once again, this is part one, Fight for Heaven. This morning, we couldn't get done with the first service. We couldn't get all the way through this, and you have your notes in front of you. But I want to talk to you today about Fight for Heaven. Whenever you think of there's a war, it's usually over power. How many of you know when there's a war, there's usually over power? territory, oil right now, right? Disagreement in political positions. How many of you know that's really a tough situation right now, right? <laughs> right now that's a real battle, real struggle, real war. Also over nuclear missiles right now, North Korea. We heard about the uproar with North Korea uh, launching nuclear missiles, and we've almost had to go to war with them because of that. Another one is foreign exchange, the balance of exchange, imports, exports. We're, we're battling over that, over China and other different countries that were struggling over imports and exports and the expenses and so on and so forth. But there's always seeming to be a struggle or a war against different topics or situations in life. But those wars that we're going through in life also, they bleed over into our lives. And they cause conflicts, frustration, irritations to our lives. But if you think about a war, and you have this on your notes, a war has a purpose. And number one is to what? To get back. You hit me, I'm going to get you back. You get me, I'm going to get you. You mess with me, you mess with fire. You mess with fire, you're going to get burnt. So a war always has a purpose of getting back. Pearl Harbor. When J Japanese struck Pearl Harbor, what did we do as Americans? We went back after them. But then we didn't just settle it at that. A war is also to get even. I'm going to get even on you. You're not going to get ahead of me, but I'm going to get even. I'm going to make the playing field even. Man, you think you got me, I'm going to get you again. But and also to get ahead, to win. There's always a purpose in a war is to get ahead, to conquer, destroy, defeat you, to defeat us. That's what a war does. A war also starts by taking a stand, by taking a stand between what is right and wrong in our country. How many know right now that our country is in upheaval right now? I, I, uh, I have a connection with a lot of pastors, friends that I connect with, and all over from California to New York and everywhere in between. Matter of fact, we had a couple of them in the first service today, and they, they came uh, to, they were from uh, Sioux Falls. And uh, anyways, the struggles that pastors are facing is that there's a lot of contention even within God's people. The disbelief and Republican to Democrats or this to that and other things like that. And there's a lot of this dissension, fighting and bickering and disorder that's happening in the church. But then it goes on to say, a war that starts by taking a stand between what is right and wrong in our country, in our world. But here's the big thing. And in our spiritual walk with Christ. How many know that the enemy desires to come against our spiritual walk with the Lord? If he can get you off kilter with God or get you off balance with God, he's going to win. In Galatians chapter 5, I love this verse of Scripture. Paul is speaking to the church there in Galatia, and he's speaking there about the battle, that we are in a struggle. I don't know about you, but how many of you have ever played the game tug of war? Right? Man, when you go to youth camps, you play tug of war, and man, you get the girls against the guys, or every other one is guy, girl, guy, girl, and you have competitions, and you have the flag in the middle, and the whole object is what? To pull them to your side, and then once you cross that flag or that, that, that cleaner or that, that, that hanky over the line, you win. A lot of times we're in that battle of life, 
And what Paul says here, he's saying here, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will, gratify, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So in other words, Paul says, walk by the Spirit. What do you mean the Spirit? The Bible says, don't you know that you are a temple of God and God's Spirit lives in you? So what he's saying is, walk by the Spirit, the things of God. Now, always remember this. What you feed is going to grow. What you starve is going to die. So you have to ask yourself, what are you feeding in your life? What are you starving in your life that is dying? I hear a lot of times that people say to me, Pastor, I don't sense, I don't feel God, I don't hear God, I don't sense God, I don't even know if God even exists anymore. And I hear people say that all the time. And when I hear that, my first reaction is, are you feeding your spirit man? Are you feeding that or are you starving that? And what you starve is going to die. And what happens if you starve your spirit, man, you choke out the sensitivity or the love or the acceptance or the joy or the peace that God has for your life. But if you feed that, it's going to grow. And the same thing with the flesh. If you expound or live and move and dwell in the flesh and do the things of the world, guess what's going to grow? It's the same way. If you don't feed that, it's going to die. And so a lot of times we're in this tug of war back and forth. Should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So you got to be standing. I got to take a stand. And in my stand, I got to stand up for what is right or if you choose what is wrong. You see, in taking a stand, it's going against the paths of least resistance. It's easy to go with the flow. It's easy to go with the flow with, with everybody's going. Have you ever been a kid in a pool? And you're, I, when I was a kid, we had a pool that was a circle, and we met five or six kids, and we'd all go in the same direction, and we'd start running, man, and finally you know that current would just, man, pick us up and, man, push us, but then try to go against the current. Man, it'll start pushing you backwards because of the force of the current. And a lot of times what happens means taking a stand means going against the flow or the current of the norm, going against the flow of what everybody else is doing. And when you are a Christian, that means that I'm going to go against the norm of what the world does because the Bible says that you are a Christian or Christ-like. Christ-like means that I'm going to be Act and say, be, act and say the things of Christ. I'm going to be that in my life. And in doing that, that means sometimes I have to take a stand and go against the norm. Right? So he says, watch this. He says, so for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Do you see the war that's going on there? Do you see the world, uh, the, the war? Have you ever had this happen to you? That, man, you could do something good. Man, you, you could do something good in your life. And, man, as soon as you do something good, the old enemy is knocking at your door saying, man, did you really think that made an impression on that people? That person didn't appreciate that gift you did for them. Man, just like Jamie, man, you got that as a gift. And, boy, you're looking sharp, man. I should have you come up here and preach, man. You know, there's an old thing. There was a Sunday morning, 1045. I woke up late on my kitchen floor from partying last night again. I had a face to pay. Man. You don't know none of that, Jamie. Got saved. Carmen, have you never, you never heard that one before? You they don't know that one there. They don't know that. You want me to say it? 
It was a Sunday morning, 1044. I woke up late on the kitchen floor for partying last night again. I had a face today with a head of pain. I fumbled around with my TV set to catch a flick and tried to forget. I turned on this black evangelist who preached the word with a funky twist. I walked in his church and walked down the aisle. His choir began to groove and shout. I felt my knees shut down the aisle. And sinners marched down single file. Whoa, and something. You don't know none of that. You don't know. You don't know. Ha. Somebody said, Pastor, you going to sing today? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to rap today. I'm going to rap today. Amen. Hey. Man, get me in that mood, man. I don't know what it is, man. Get me in that mood, you know. Just let that soul get out. I had some black eyed peas and cornbread yesterday. Hey. I'm all right, right, right. Yeah. I went to Texas Roadhouse. I, that, ain't, that ain't no joke, man. I took my wife to Texas Roadhouse. I got those beans, man. I'll tell you. The more you eat, the more you Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's backfiring right now. Praise the Lord. <laughs> hey, I'm on live stream today, right? Man. All my, all my pastor friends are going to say, what is wrong with CJ? It was that pizza my wife made last night. Amen. But you, but you know, anyway, but the, the spirit, what is contrary to the spirit. So what you feed is going to, to live. What you starve is going to die. So what happens is the flesh is always in a battle with the spirit. So you could do something great. And what happens as soon as you do something great, the old enemy knocks at your door. So you really believe that great? Man, do you really believe you made an impact? It's always there he wants to attack. Write this down. There are two times when the enemy really loves to attack. you got to get this in your heart. There are two times when he loves to attack. Number one, when you're celebrating a victory. Elijah, when he just got done calling down fire from heaven and outrunning the chariots and all these things, what did the enemy do? He came right away to a point of attacking Elijah that he laid under a broom tree and he wanted to die. You would think that, man, I'm celebrating. But see, when you're celebrating, a lot of times the enemy catches you off guard because you're rejoicing in your victory, and that's when he likes to come in. He likes to sneak in when you're celebrating. But then the other part he likes to get you is when you're down. When you're down, the enemy loves to keep you down. And here's how he keeps you down. When you're down and you're already telling yourself you're down, and when you're down, you know what? You always seem to have a peanut gallery that agrees with you, you know? And you know who the peanut gallery is? It's you, yourself, and I. That's a peanut gallery. That when you know what you do, when you're down, you tell yourself, man, I'm no good. I'm a loser. I'm never going to make it. And you know what? The enemy loves that because he's got you where he wants you, and now he's going to get you. He's going to keep you down. So he goes on to say, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they're in conflict or war with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So in other words, what happens, now get this, because you're in this tug of war, and what happens, you can't go forward, you can't go backwards, you're stuck. You're stuck in park or you're stuck in neutral, and because you're not going one way or the other, what happens is you get tired. And when you get tired, tired maybe fighting against the things of the spirit or the things of the flesh, you get weary, and the first thing you want to do is quit. Why do you think Galatians chapter 5, verse 9 says, and he says what? Count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trouble in James 1. But he says in Galatians 5, verse 9, he says, Do not become weary in well-doing, for at a proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not quit. So you won't reap a harvest if you're always parked and in neutral. If you're always back and forth wavering, you're not going to reap a harvest. So the enemy wants you to quit because if you quit, 
guess what? You're losing your reward. So the spirit and the flesh wage war with each other. You get tired. You get burnt out. You get discouraged. You get defeated. So you said, I quit. So you're not winning one way or the other. So that way you're not doing anything for yourself or anything else. I, I love this. The flesh desires to do the things that are contrary to the things of God. What are the things that are contrary to the things of God? Man, maybe lying, maybe stealing, maybe lusting, whatever things that you know. Now, here's the cool thing. You know what? Your conscience tells you what you're doing wrong before you do it. A lot of times, are you paying attention to the conscience? Are you paying attention when the enemy tries to come in and detour you off the truth? You see, a lot of times God brings the Holy Spirit to you and says, wait a minute, hey, hey, I, I wouldn't go to that road. I wouldn't do that route. I wouldn't do this. But our flesh gets in the way. And here we are, our flesh drives us to curious. We get curious about what's over the other side, what's on the other side of the hill. And so what we do is, because our curiosity drives us crazy, we want to find out from the beginning to the end. What's the end of the story? And that's what the enemy wants you to do. Because what happens is when he puts a seed in your thoughts or in your mind, that seed grows into a motion picture or a movie. And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll pause it, we'll fast forward it, we'll rewind it, we'll rehearse it, we'll nurse it, we'll curse it. Because why? We want to see the outcome of the end of it. And so what happens is when the enemy comes in and you got a thought, when you know you should stop right there, that's when you need to cut it off. You need to stop. Don't allow this thing to fester. When you know in your heart and you got a conscience that I shouldn't do that, don't cross over that line. Because once you do, the movie starts. The movie starts playing in your mind, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. Got to cut it off. The spirit or the spirit man of Christ who lives in you or us does things contrary to the things of the world. Think about that. Does things contrary to the things of the world. That I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to do these things because that's contrary to the things of God. But I'm going to love. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to accept. I'm going to, uh, you know, accept people and welcome people in my life. That's the spirit. One of this, I love this one. Our greatest war or struggle in which we face is doing what's right or wrong. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean? If you're taking notes, write this down. In Romans chapter 7, verse 21. What is Paul saying in Romans chapter 7, verse 21? He said, whenever I want to do good, whenever I want to do good, evil is right there with me. So in other words, he says, man, right after I get done selling a great of a victory and doing something great in my life, guess who's knocking at the door? Whenever I want to do good, evil is right there. Isn't that exactly how the enemy loves to work? He loves to do what? When you're celebrating the win or when you're at your lowest of lows. He likes to come in and attack you. I always say this. Do your best. Do your best in anything you do in life. Do your best for God. Are we going to make mistakes? Absolutely. All have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Are you going to make mistakes? Yes. There's no one perfect but Jesus. But do your best and let God do the rest. Do your best. God, I am determined to do my best. I know I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. You know you're going to be like a little baby that when they first starting to walk, my little granddaughter is one years old and she's starting to walk. Might they do a Zoom picture of her? Man, I tell you, little Kiki, we call her Kiki. Man, Kiki's starting to walk. It's so funny. She'll take two steps and boop. Good thing she's got a diaper on her behind, right? Catches her cushion, right? 
But you know what? You're going to stumble and you're going to fall. But you know what? Kiki gets back up again. She starts walking again. We start cheering her on. The same way we cheer her on is what God does to you when you make mistakes and stumble and fall. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to stumble. You're going to stop, fall. But God says, you do your best. Do your best. Renee, do your best, Randy, and all what you can do. Do your best. I'm so proud of you. I, I really am. Ashley, I'm so proud of you. Man, you guys are just knocking it out of the park. But do your best and let God do the rest. Let him help you through your struggles of life. You know, I love this. Our greatest war that we are facing in our world, in our country, in our nation. Now watch this. Is the decision that is being made that go against our belief system? How many of you know that's why the church is being attacked? Because they're going against our belief system and standards of Christ and his word. Man, man, they're coming against God and his word. They're coming against the truth and the truth, man, of all what God wants to do. I remember when I was a kid. And uh, me and my friend, Steve Stanky, I said this in the first service, Stanky Steve, man, we used to call him Stanky Steve. That's his name, Vicky Stanky, Steve Stanky. Can you imagine that having a name, Stanky? Man, you Stanky. Man, dude, what's your name, Stanky? Is that your real name? Yeah, that's my real name, Steve Stanky. No, that ain't right. Man, I told him to change his name to protect the innocent. That dude, that dude was something, I couldn't believe it, man. That dude, Stanky. Devil put a stink on me. You know, but anyway, Steve and I went to the post office, and we had to register for the, for the Army. They were recruiting at the time. And I remember on our way to the post office, man, we were nervous, like, man, I'm going to have to sign the dotted line. Man, I'm going to have to list now, and I have to do all this. And so, man, we finally did that. And then after we signed the dotted line and we, we enlisted, what happened was we walked away with the fear of thinking, man, are they going to call us? Are we going to get recruited? Are we going to have to go out and you know, fight for our country, and that nervousness came over us. But not only in that with us, but all in that whole area there in Racine, people were on the edge because they were wondering if their son or their daughter, are they going to have to be called into the battle? Are they going to be called to war? And there was that fear of, man, the unknown. And, you know, war brings a restlessness. But also, now get this, war gets you alert. Remember that. War puts you in a position to be alert to the attacks of the enemy. So if you know and recognize that we are in a spiritual war, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8, 19, that pray in the spirit on all occasions to be alert to the attacks of the enemy. And if we know that we are in a spiritual war, we should be alert to the things that are going on around us. And that was what happened in there in Racine. Everybody was alert. They were aware that there was war, there was a draft going on, and all these things happening. Man, there was a heightening that we are in a battle. But you know what? We as believers, we're in a battle. We're in a war. And we need to be alert and aware of the battle that's going on around us. We as believers in Christ are in a spiritual war. We're in a spiritual war. And that war stands, wars against our belief in Christ, his word, and his standards. We're in a spiritual war. You know that we are in a spiritual battle. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, look at what Paul says to the church of Corinth. He says, for though we live in the world, how many of you know that we're of the world, but we don't have to be a part of the world? 
We don't have to do the same thing as the world. We live in this world, but we can be different. The Bible says, come out from among them and touch no unclean things, and I shall receive you. Be separated, be peculiar. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 14, 6, that we are supposed to be peculiar. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to set the standard. We're supposed to set the DNA of who Christ is in our lives so that others can see. So he says, we live in the world, but we don't have to be part of the world. Participate and do what the world does. He says this, we do not wage war as the world does. What is the world? How do they wage war? They wage war with missiles, guns, cannons, tanks, ships, whatever else may be. They wage war with that kind of stuff, artillery. But he's, what Paul is saying, he's saying we're not in that type of war. We're in a spiritual war. And sometimes that's even more deadly than a physical war. And the reason why is because a spiritual war can deaden your sensitivity to the things of God. If you allow offenses, if you allow unforgiveness, if you allow resentment, bitterness, you allow that to fester in your life, guess what that is? That's warring against your spiritual man that's sucking the life and sensitivity out of you so that you're not going to hear God. And that's the trap of the wiles of the enemy. But then he goes on to say this in verse 4. Watch this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're not the weapons of the world. So what are they? On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. You ever think about a stronghold? A stronghold means a position or a place to stand in your life. That every time you have a stronghold, maybe it's a stronghold of anger, bitterness, resentment, whatever, that means you're given that stronghold a position or a place in your life. And just think about this. It says a little bit of yeast works through a whole batch of dough. And if you are allowing a stronghold to have a position in your life, to take authority in your life, that dictates you, tells you to jump and you say how high, guess what? That eventually will start to rule you and control you and dictate your life if you don't take control of it. Because what happens is it will take control of you. And so you need to understand or identify your battle. So he goes on to say, it's a demolish strongholds in your life. So Paul is saying, he's saying, is a spiritual warfare against the decay of what's right and wrong. So what is your choice of weapon? I want you to get this in your heart. The choice of weapon in your life. Number one is this. The choice of weapons in your life, that truth sets you free. You see, the first thing in your life that you need to base your weapons on is truth. You have to filter everything that you receive and everything you're hearing in your life. There's so much stuff out there, so much news out there, so many different things in your life. You have to base your what you hear, what, you're, what you talk about, what you see. Is it true? Is it true? Does it line up to God's word? Because the truth will set you free. And the opposite of truth is a lie. And a lie will be like a cocoon. It will spin you up and spin you up. And eventually it will confine you and hold you back and build a stronghold in your life, a place to stand that it will put you in park and full of fear, anger, and resentment. So you have to ask yourself, 
is the things that I'm hearing true? Is it line up to God's word? You see, God's word is what caused the balls and strikes in your life. If God's word sets you free, and the truth will set you free. So a lot of times what happens is we get caught up in lies, and we get caught up in deception, and it's making us confused. It's getting us mad, upset, and angry. Reason why? Because it's not going with the norm. It's not going with the spirit. It doesn't jive. The Bible says your spirit and our spirit bear witness with one another. And what happens is if you're receiving and hearing and basing your things on, on things that are factual or that are not true, that are false, it will mess you up. So you got to ask yourself, is it based on truth? Stay the truth of God's word in everything you do. Truth, now get this, truth will always prevail. It will hold on, if you hold on to it through the hard times, it will always prevail. Truth is like cream that always rises to the top. It will set you free. Truth. Is it true or is it untrue? I'm going to filter this through God's word. Another one, my choice of truth is truth. My, my weapon is truth. Truth defeats the devil. Man, truth defeats the devil. How many of you know that truth defeats the devil? In Matthew chapter 4, you read about the three incidents where Jesus was faced by the enemy. And he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And you know when you're fasting, you're tired, you're fatigued, you're wore out, you're hungry, you're, all these things, your body is uh, weak. And the enemy came and tried to defeat the Lord. And the first thing he said, hey, man, if you, man, renounce these things and so on, I'll give you all the food and so on in the world. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 4, 4? It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by the very words that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so what he did is he combated the enemy with truth. He combated the enemy with the truth. So listen, whenever you're facing a struggle, you need to speak to that enemy. You need to speak to that stronghold or that lie and say, wait a minute, devil. That doesn't line up with the word of God. My word says that I am fearfully and wonderfully weighed, that, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb, that, man, I'm not ugly, I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm beautiful, donkey. Wait a minute, devil, let me remind you that my word says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You need to remind the enemy of the truth. If I always came into your presence and every time I came into your presence, you hit me in the head or punched me in the eye or whatever, eventually, guess what? I'm going to walk away and not come around you any longer. Why? Because you're messing me up. You're hitting me, you're punching me, you're giving me a black eye, whatever the case may be. You know how you give the devil a black eye? You give the devil by a black eye by speaking the truth, and the truth is God's word. God's word will not return void. It will accomplish, accomplish that which it said it will do. And one of the things that the word of God accomplishes, D, it knocks out the devil. It knocks the devil out. You speak the truth. You see, the opposite of truth is lies. And the devil is the author of lies, and he will be exposed. So whenever the enemy rises up, you have to fight the enemy, not in your own words. Remember this. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. Hey, wait a minute. That doesn't line up for God's word. Devil, you're a liar. That don't, that, that, that don't jive with me. I'm not going to allow that to affect me. I'm not going to allow that to poison me. I'm not going to receive that in Jesus' name. This is the truth. And the truth is going to set me free. Another one is this. Truth, my weapon of choice is truth. Truth guides your steps. Truth, it will guide your step. I love this. Truth is the key to our assurance 
of victory and of heaven. Man, that victory that if I stay to the truth, I will come out on top. There may be times in your life you feel like you're going under, maybe feel like, man, that you're being overcome. But I'm here to tell you, you're not an overcome. You are an overcomer. I'm not going to be overcome, but I'm going to be an overcomer by the circumstances, situation that the devil is trying to bring in my life. And I'm going to hold to the truth. I may be weak, but, God, you may be strong. In my weakness, you're strong. God, it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. And, God, I'm going to hold on to your truth. And your truth will lead me through. I love this. Listen, the truth is the lamp unto your feet. David, thy word is a lamp unto thy feet. Right? It will direct your step. You hold to the truth. It will navigate you through the landmines of your life, through the landmines that you might step on this bomb or step on this landmine. If you hold to the truth, God will navigate your life through that. He said, the lamp unto your feet and the compass for your life. He'll point you due to do north, do heaven, through the truth. And so my weapon of choice over everything, first and foremost, is truth. Does it line up according to God's word? You know, listen, you are the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper is one who lets in and lets out those people. You read in the Old Testament of people that come in and out into the fortress or the fort or the, or the confine or whatever it may be. You are the gatekeeper of what you let into your life. You're the gatekeeper of what you let in and let out. So when you let it in, does it line up? Does it affect your spirit? And if it starts affecting your spirit, then you need to let it go. Let it go. When in doubt, push it out. Don't receive it. Don't allow poison to get into you to make you walk in this confusion and doubt. I love this. Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll move it quickly. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and, and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Now watch this. Put on the full armor of God so that you, referring to you, can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, do you understand that? Against the devil's schemes. About five or six years ago, my son is a New England Patriot fan. He went over to the dark side from being a Packer fan to New England. And I, I keep praying for him, but it's not working. And uh, But anyways, New England was uh, criticized because they supposedly went into one of the opponent's practice and they videotaped the game plan of their opponent. And so when the game played, uh, they played out the game, they actually just slaughtered their opponent, the Patriots did. Well, they found out that the Patriots did that. They, they got the tapes and so on. They charged them like $500,000. They lost two draft picks. But they found out their game plan. And they got their game plan. And because they got their game plan, they were able to, to win that game. But here is what he says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what is the game plan? I'm jumping way down now because i got to move quickly. Go down to what the enemy's devil's schemes are. What is the schemes? And I jump way down. I know I jumped and missed some things, but I want you to see something. I want to end with this. What are the devil's schemes? You want to know his playbook? You want to know his plan for your life? You want to know what he's trying to do to you? Number one is this, to make us turn against our faith in Christ. The first thing the enemy wants you to do is turn against the Lord. 
He wants you to get defeated. He wants you to quit. He wants you to get discouraged. He wants you to throw in the towel. He wants you to stop believing in God. He wants you to say, man, why should I? God don't answer my prayers. He wants you to say that. How many of you know that your words have the power of life and death, and you will eat the fruit thereof? And the things that you're saying, the enemy, what? He can't read your mind, but he can hear your thoughts, and he can read your, hear your words. And when you speak that, guess what? He pounces on the words that you speak, and he reminds you, yeah, you're right. God don't answer your prayers. Why do you say serve God? Why do you believe in him? He's not doing anything for your life. And he decays and he whittles at your faith so that you give up on God. That's a scheme. What is the first greatest command? Love the Lord your God. So what is he going to attack first? He's going to attack your relationship with God. He's going to attack your faith. He's going to attack your trust. He's going to attract your love for God. Number two is this, to fight against one another. Man, he wants us to implode. He wants the church to fight against each other. He wants the church to get mad. He wants the church to be, man, duking it out with each other. Why? Because when the church is not in unity, which unity stands for you and I, tie, when the church is in unity, we have power and authority and victory. But when we're scattered, we lose the victory. And he wants us to fight against one another. He wants us to be angry at our brother and sister. Another one is this, to lose love for one another. Why love? What's the second greatest command? Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you stop walking in faith in God, that's the first greatest command he likes to attack. And then the second one is love your neighbor. If you can stop loving people and start walking around hating one another, man, bitter, mad, angry, shaking your fist at the world, at the church, and at people, man, that's the enemy's heyday. We're walking into a landmine. We're walking into what he wants us to do. So, man, we can implode and turn against one another and lose the victory. How many of you know that's true? You know, another scheme is this, to bring confusion to your mind and spirit to make you doubt. Confusion. Man, I, I'm just not quite sure. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just not quite sure. You know, I, confusion. You know what? Hey, you know, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And if he can keep you double-minded, one foot in, one foot out, vacillating back and forth, and never uh, blooming where you're planted, if you're never blooming where you're planted, you're not going to grow. you got to plant. you got to take root. And if he can always have you, the Bible says you're like a twin, the wind tossed and turned by the waves and the wind. And what he does, he brings confusion. The Bible says that God is not an author of confusion. Confusion is like walking through a maze, trying to find your way through life. But God said, I give you I'm not an author of confusion, but of peace. And so he wants to bring confusion. Another one is this, to make you believe a lie instead of truth. To make you believe a lie. You know what a lot of what we're finding and all my pastor friends that we're talking to, all my pastor friends that we talk to, they're all having the same problem. They said, man, the church is falling into the trap of believing so many lies that they're believing so many lies. And you know, my father, man, he never read, he never studied, he never looked things up. All he did, he would go to the Rainbow Restaurant down there in Blair, Wisconsin. I'll never forget, you could always tell my dad would go to the Rainbow Restaurant every Tuesday. And you know what? After he came back from the Rainbow Restaurant, he had new information. And I mean to tell you, every time he came back every Tuesday, he had this new information, and guess what? The information that he was saying 
Dad, where did you hear that? Did you have Fruit Loops today? That's not true. And because he heard it, he took it verbatim that that was truth. And he was so messed up. And a lot of times what happens, you have to filter everything you hear through truth. Because the enemy is the author of lies. And he wants to lie to you. He sprinkles a little bit of truth to poison you, to get you detoured off your faith walk with God. Be careful that you're not listening to the lies. Filter it through truth. This one. To make you turn against one another as Christ believers. You know, uh, what we're hearing today, like again with all my pastor friends, they're saying, man, there's been such an upheaval within the church that people are against each other. That people are mad at each other in the church more so than ever. And the reason why is because we all have different opinions. You know where our opinion has to be based on, guys? Here, your pastor today. Our opinion has to center around Christ and Christ alone first and foremost. On Christ the solid rock, I stand. We have to build our foundation on Christ. And Christ alone, everything else is sinking sand. Upon this rock, I will build my church. The rock is Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? He called Simon Peter. You know what he made what Peter means? Peter means rock. You know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was the ultimate rock. He was piling more rocks to the rock. And that rock was Jesus. And the main was Jesus, but Peter was the little rock. And guess what? You and I are the rock that attaches to the big rock. On Christ the solid rock we stand. And I'm encouraging you today. Filter everything through truth. My weapon of choice is, is this true? Does it line up to what God is saying? I close with this. To get believers mad at each other instead of agreeing together, now watch this. Then we lose strength, power, and agreement. You see, I love the book of Acts because in the book of Acts, the Bible says the place that they were praying and meeting was shaken. You know why? Because they were in one accord. They were in unity. And the place that they were in agreement with, it shook. The power of God was demonstrated. The church is becoming weakened because instead of coming together, we're separating. And we're losing that strength. And my caution to us is that we need to start fighting for heaven. And as I say that today, fight for heaven I want you to see this. Every conflict is a contest with the devil. Every conflict is a contest with the devil and his forces. So let me tell you, win the contest. We need to fight for heaven and the things of God and not each other. Fight for heaven and the things of God and not each other. Fight for heaven and this lost and dying world. Let's fight for heaven. Win one for Christ. Fight for heaven to see God's glory fall upon his people, you and I, and revival come. We need to fight. God, I want to see revival come. It only comes when we fight for the cause of heaven. Another one is this. Fight for heaven to break off the spirit of darkness over the people in authority. Somebody say amen. In Acts chapter 26, verse 18, you know what it says? To open their eyes and turn from their darkness into the light. That's what we need to do. We need to fight for heaven, for the cause of heaven. 
that God open those authorities' eyes. Let them know the truth, and the truth will set them free, that they'll make right decisions. And let's stop fighting against one another. Let's attack the problem and not the person. Attack the problem in the person, the spirit in the person. Somebody say amen. And when we do that, hear your pastor. That's when we're going to see revival. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to encourage you. We only have a few of these left, and they're in the back. And so make sure if you want to get one or get your order in for your shirt right over here to my right. I want to encourage you this morning. Pay attention to the wiles of the enemy. Hold on to that piece of paper. Identify those schemes, those wiles, and what the enemy is doing. Don't let them steal your joy, your zeal, your fire, your excitement, your strength. God has great things in store for you. Father, this morning, I pray in Jesus' name that we will fight for heaven. That, God, we will fight for the cause of things of you and a stand for righteousness. That, Lord, we'll be like Paul and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because we know and we understand what it stands for. That, Lord, we'll love one another. We don't want to come against the two greatest commands, to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And the enemy wants us to come against that. He's trying to bring wiles and trying to destroy us and defeat us. But I say enough is enough in Jesus' name. We make a choice to rejoice and take off our gloves to follow you. So, Father, touch your people. Open our eyes and our heart to receive and hear more of you. And let us filter everything through truth. And we thank you, Father, for today, for this is the day that you have made, and we rejoice. Go with us now, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Come on out Wednesday night, 630. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.